think we've mostly recovered. Dude, it from took me like reunion. A, it took me a, a solid week. Yeah. To recover from reunion. I f- yeah. I it took me a while to feel normal. Yeah. I feel so like spoiled while I'm there. Yeah. It's like you just get used to being around a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Even though it's for a short period of time and then you go home to the real world and it's a yeah. rude awakening. Right. So you're for 3 days you're surrounded by people who share these same passion as you. You get to look at all the awesome vendors and dance and you know and then you the weekend is over and you go back to work and you're like who am I (laughs) (laughs) who am I yeah reunion was such a whirlwind such a whirlwind yeah as you could tell from our last episode yeah (laughs) we, we had a real good time we did have a good time well, anyway, we're back in California. I've been for a few weeks now, back to reality, which is completely overrated. Yeah, I agree. This is episode seven. Wow. I know. So uh, we wanted to do like a little final reunion recap um, since we didn't, you know, get around to day three. <laughs> Well, and day three was exactly what I predicted it would be, which was most people walking around like zombies. Yeah. Last minute shopping, last minute workshops, you know, packing. It's it's always really hard because most people leave on Sunday night and check out at 11 a.m. So they have to like really quickly get all their crap together and pack and then go to workshops. It's, it's just so crazy. I think some people stayed Sunday night. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the smart thing to do, but yeah. not always possible since most of us have day jobs. Yeah. <laughs> have real life that we have to get back to. Right. Um, but you and I had photo shoots on that Sunday. Yeah, we both have little mini shoots with Carrie, Carrie Meyer of The Dancer's Eye. Yep. Who is phenomenal. If you haven't gotten a chance to do a shoot with Carrie, and she's like, I swear to God, she's at like every single event. It's kind of Well, it's what she does, right? It's what she does. So if you haven't gotten a chance to to do a shoot with her, you absolutely should. She's got such a great eye. Um, She really, and because she's also a dancer, she knows like good poses for you and... And you know what? You can you can show up to the. I showed up and was like, I don't want to do any dance poses. Yeah. And she was like, okay. She and she was really quick on her feet to suggest things and. I don't know. She always makes me feel really comfortable too, and it helped that Becca was her like lighting assistant. Yeah. Because Becca was just like, oh girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carrie's just. I feel. I actually really dislike having my photo taken. Um. Especially in sort of, like, posed situations Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, And I always feel really awkward. And it just amazes me what... I always expect to get all the photo proofs back and just be like... I hate everything. I hate all of these. And I granted, you know, like, my own personal self-esteem. I'm just like, ugh, I don't know. But... (laughs) I know what you mean, though, because it's like... You ever see Talladega Nights where Will Ferrell's character is talking into the camera and he doesn't know what to do with his hands, <laughs> so they just like sort of float up slowly near his face. 
it's really that's how I always feel getting yeah. pictured. Or Michael Scott in the office when he's recording the commercial and he's like holding the two mugs. Oh no, that wasn't Michael Scott. That wasn't that Alec Baldwin in Thirty Rock. Oh my God, it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, totally the wrong show, but you know what I was talking yeah, about. Totally. Yeah, totally. And then he walks with the two mugs and yeah, like, this feels like right. This right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, this feels right. Yeah, that's absolutely how I feel in photo shoot situations. Um, and it's funny because it's like, it's a proprioception thing. You know, you can't really tell what you look like. No. <laughs> so you have to just like trust that, you know, whoever is giving you direction, Carrie in this case, like yeah. knows what they're doing and, and she, she does. does. So I want to hear more about this stump. Oh my God. Uh, one of the photos that Carrie took was me sitting on a stump. Cause I had asked about doing seated poses. Cause yeah, um, you're out in the desert. You're out in the desert. So I guess we should yeah, set run the that back a little bit. We, the photo shoot was outdoors this year. It was at Pop- Papago Park. Yeah. Which was about like 15 minutes from the hotel venue. And it was a gorgeous day. Yeah. Uh, and it's just this, like, wildlife area. The specific location was Hole in a Rock, I think yeah, it was yeah. called. Because it's this giant, like, rock formation that has a big hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is rock with hole. Yes. That's why they hole. name it Hole in Rock. Exactly. So um, she did it on location there, and it is it's like out in the dusty desert. desert. There's like cacti everywhere, D- and like cactuses. Yeah, and like shrubs and stuff. A shrubbery. She was like, Carrie was so funny. She was like, just to warn you, like everything out here is prickly. Is prickly. Yeah. So just like be careful. Becca was like, watch out for snakes. <laughs> I was just like, what bitch? <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, they're snakes. All right. I mean, I don't mind, but if they're the venomous kind, I might be a little bit. Yeah, right, right. But, and another thing was, since it was outdoors, it was in the desert, and there's prickly things everywhere, not to mention the possibility of broken glass, something I didn't even consider is that you had to be wearing your shoes. Yeah, what shoes did you wear? I was in my fucking flu bog. <laughs> your boots? Yeah. <laughs> I was my in heels. Sandals. Yeah, I know. I was like, I didn't even bring sandals to the event. Yeah. Which is dumb. So some <laughs> of my photos, I'm like wearing boots. Yeah, but I mean, she can yeah. just edit those out. Yeah. Um, so it's out in the desert, and I talked to Carrie about doing a seated pose, but like, you can't really just plop down on... No. Especially in your silk skirt. Yeah, especially in my silk skirt. But Becca was like, I'm pretty sure there's a stump over here. (laughs) Stomp. And so Carrie had me sit on the stump and it was just like hilarious because I could not, I just couldn't, you know, it's that thing. Like I can't really imagine what, what I look like in that moment. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to, like, figure out how to position my knees and my feet. And, like, for whatever reason, Carrie kept telling me to do things. And I just, like, could not understand <laughs> what was happening. She's like, move your chin down. And you're like, what is chin? <laughs> She's like, move your legs, move your knees this way. And I, I'm pretty sure I literally moved them in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, 
It's like when you're at the dentist and they tell you to like move your tongue to the side and you totally move it in the exact. Does that ever, is that just me? No, I get what you yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you literally do the opposite of what. And the, the great thing is, is that we're dance instructors. Yeah. We should know what left and right is. Exactly. But for whatever reason. In when that you're moment, put in the, that position, it's not cool. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am balancing on the edge of this stump. And trying to suck it all in. Trying to suck it all in. Trying not to fall over. <laughs> and and trying to have like a nice calm face. Yeah, yeah. So the that. the fact that Kira was able to get that shot, which is just I'm stunned. But like I said on Facebook, I was like, Carrie managed to make me look like someone with poise, and I definitely am not that person. So you look kind of like a Disney princess. <laughs> Which and, makes sense, because Carrie loves Disney. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. But I kind of wanted, like, to email her and get her to Photoshop, like, little birds. Oh, my God. And squirrels so around funny. you. Like, like dressing Cinderella. you. Like Cinderella. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But I really loved the, the, the way your photos turned out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's funny, we both got ready for, or we both independently chose our costuming for these, this photo shoot and we wound up choosing choosing, choosing like, the same thing choosing, yeah yeah choosing like almost the exact same thing yeah except you went with the traditional choli and i went with the, the high fusion neck. Tro- yeah. Choli, yeah the high neck which i really liked yeah i liked it too yeah 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 yeah, I felt like your ensemble was actually pretty different for you i mean you do wear it a lot is. of black but like no, I wanted to go really different with it. Yeah. I really wanted to go for, like, goth ATS. Well, no, Becca fucking pegged me, man. <laughs> she was, like, goth matador flamenco. <laughs> and I was like, damn, girl, you got it. Like, because I had this beautiful manton, um, silk manton that um, one of my students, um, Joe Baker from London, gave me the last trip I took out there. Yeah. And it was, like, silk with, like, hand-embroidered roses all over it, and I loved it, and I really needed an excuse to wear it. Yeah. So. She clocked you. She did. <laughs> she really did. But it took me, like, three or four days to find that outfit. Yeah. I really struggled trying to come up with what to wear, especially for an outdoor gig, yeah. you know, because, like, I didn't... I almost went with, like, block print instead because yeah. I thought it might be better to, like, match kind of the out- outdoorsy no, look, but I was glad that I picked something High that contrast. kind of stood out, yeah. So anyway, again, I can't I can't recommend Carrie enough. Yeah, me too. I love her. Whether it's, like, she often does, like, little short mini Tim- shoots, like, before before performance so that, you know, you're, like, already done up and you go and you do, like, a 10-minute shoot with her. So whether it's that or, like, a 30-minute shoot or if you even... I don't know if she has opportunities for doing longer shoots with her, but she's sure she really does. amazing. Uh, she also, uh, speaking of her as a Disney fan, she also, like, goes to into Disney and, like, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and, like, photographs people in the park. Yeah. And they're so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Living she's life, amazing. Go find, Ooh, her. go find her. Hopefully you can schedule something with her at you know pretty much any festival because yeah. Carrie will be there. <laughs> She's going to be in Fresno in April. That's I right for that. Rec- Requiem. Requiem. Yeah. But I know she does a lot of the big ones. Yeah. So seek her out. Much talent. 
So getting back to reunion recap. Oh yeah, we were on Sunday, but we really didn't talk about anything that happened on the Saturday night showcase, did we? Yeah, we touched on it really briefly when we were with the other girls. But I think we wanted to kind of talk about the entire show more. Yeah. Can can we talk about the one group that I think we can all agree agree gave us all the life <laughs> which was tribal unicorn tribal i think we unicorn. did i think we did touch it we on mentioned it a little it, bit yeah but um, those three oh tribal unicorn if you haven't seen the performance video on youtube which i've linked to and i think jesse's probably linked to on facebook and we'll add the link to the yeah. podcast notes here it was just such a well conceived piece yes it had a concept it had a concept. So and there are three there are three black dancers, which yeah. is pretty unusual in our community. Um, and I assume I've never actually spoken to them about this, but I just I assume that's probably why they're called tribal unicorn. Maybe we can message them and yeah, see. I'd be curious to know they're not they're kind of located in different places, yes, right? They're a collaboration of dancers that are in I think different places in the country. One of them dances with Tamarind, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, um, there are three black dancers. They dance to a piece of African music for their first set. Mm-hmm. For their first song, and then a Sam Sam Cooke song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Change, Change is gonna come. Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. I know. Huh. Yeah. And they, their costuming was so on point. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It was just a very well-conceived piece. That had a story. It had a narrative. That had a story and brought something really different to the stage yeah. and the show in general, I thought. And, but it didn't, it didn't fight the ATS aesthetic either. Yeah. It was very harmonious. Um, so it was just like a different perspective. It was nice to see like you know, inclusion Mm -hmm. in the show and diversity. I think that's really important for our community. So it was just like a really special thing I felt like to share with everybody in that room. And I felt very, you know, it's like, it's like Becca said, like it, their performance was really a gift to all of us. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm really like grateful that, that they shared that with us because I'm sure it was you know, I was sat behind Becca. Yeah, we were behind Becca, and we <laughs> and Becca she was, was she kept all standing the up, yeah. moments, and yeah, no, I think she said that in the podcast. She's like, "Where's the tithe?" Like she was yeah. just like living her best life yes. watching that. Becca really did get taken to church. I mean, we all did. <laughs> we really did. We all did. It was so fantastic. I yeah. So I thought that, you know, I think that that's a really good example of, um, you know, staying true to the ATS aesthetic, but also bringing your own perspective. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Bringing a, a different t- twist to it. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's something that I think we talked about, like, way back in episode one with Deanna. Yeah, episode one. Right. When we talked about putting, you know how interesting it was. Deanna said something about how interesting it was to see, you know, us show at reunion, which was all ATS. Mm -hmm. And just to see the wide variety of acts, you know, there's like, 
There's freedom within the boundaries of what we do, I guess. And everybody has different interpretations. Yeah. And different dialects. And not movement dialect. I mean, like, how there's different dialects of English. Like, accents. Mm Mm-hmm. And so people take this concept that is ATS and, and layer their own perspective over it. Right. Which is what exactly what you said. Yeah. But it was interesting watching the participant showcase because these are groups of dancers that we generally don't get to watch. Yeah. Um, unless somebody brings a YouTube video to our attention or if we happen to be friends with some of them on Facebook and see them post their YouTube clips. We generally don't get to see them. And, and not live. Because they're from different parts of the country. But there there was... What am, where am I going with this? So there was Tribal Unicorn, who who definitely brought that to the table. But then there, I find that there's, like... There are some dancers... Who do I want to talk about? Despina and Kate. Totally ATS influence. But Despina or Debbie or... Some of you may know her from... She's also a costume designer. Mm-hmm. She had to... D-Web. Design. Yeah, designs. D-Web designs. Um, she layered her Suhaila training over ATS and had a lot of different Zill patterns that she showcased, her and her partner Kate, which you would think would clash, but it was really harmonious. I really loved right. what they did. And I thought it was... It made sense with the costuming, too. Yes. They did, like... Uh, a suit, tunics over pantaloons. Yeah, and some hip scarves. And yeah. Yeah, so it's not... I think that's another really good point, though. Like, their costuming matched their concept, and the, which made the whole execution make a lot of sense. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that there were acts that just... That didn't really achieve that level of cohesion for me that I yeah. didn't think were as successful. And, like... This is just my own opinion, you know. I'm, as you've probably figured out listening to this podcast, I have a lot of opinions about things, but I fully respect that everyone has their own vision. And if I don't understand it, that's not a judgment of value, really. That's Mm -mm. just my particular opinion on whether I like something or not. And you might like something that I didn't like in this. Totally fine, because I think there's space for you know, everything for uh-huh. the most part in what we do. But we all have our right taste. Like. Yeah. So I just thought, you know, there were just a couple acts that that just weren't as cohesive. They just mm-hmm. weren't as successful to me. Um, I think that the Tamarind performance comes to mind. I, you know, I respect that they have a full docket of like their own vocabulary which is mm-hmm. really interesting to see live but it's it definitely just, exciting it was exciting but maybe to a fault just because there was so much, so happening, much happening on stage yeah and they were in these beautiful classic ats costumes headdress you know full skirts tassels and to me that screams like really classic movements from mm-hmm. ATS but this is the lens in which I see stuff right of. so their lens definitely varies from mine but when I see classic ATS I envision classic music and classic movements and the, the great thing about the tamarind movement dialect is that it is so um how do I say it flourishy and modern. Modern. it's modern. very modern yeah yeah and um you know, talking to Carolina about 
why a lot of the classic costuming went away, it's because they started innovating these really flourishy big movements like the A-SWAT and spin, you know, they did do spins with um, the classic look, but you know, what, when they started doing the T-SWAT, the A-SWAT, all these like volume seven and over movements, it just got a little bit frantic and a little much to have the classic costuming on top of that. So that's why they sleeked it down. Right. And so now to see it layered like this this big beautiful classic costuming layered over this very modern movement was just a little bit i don't know it fought yeah they they fought each other to me yeah i yeah that's it was a little bit jarring i just didn't really see it just didn't make sense to me Mm. you know like the costuming and the movements and the music just didn't, it just never congealed for me, mm. I guess. Well, it's funny because, like, a few days later, I was thinking about their set. And I'm like, what, did they have, like, 12 people on stage? And it was only, like, six. Six, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their shows are so big, and they're so, like, they can take very few people and make, and put it all out on the stage, which I can respect that. Yeah. But, yeah, it, that set in particular, I thought it was just a little... It, it, costume fought the movement fought the music Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah and i think part of that is just that um you know people come to the this is like a really high profile performance for our community and i think people come acts or groups come to the stage really wanting to put everything Everything. out there you know it's really like a go big or go home situation Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's certainly one thing that you can say about Tamarind is that they went really fucking big. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They did. And they're a group of very talented dancers. I just wish that, you know, with all of the movement and the change in that set, I found the costuming that they chose too distracting. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if they sleeked it down a bit, we would have been able to see what they were presenting a little bit better. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and like you said, you know, we come from a very particular point of view in terms of, of mm-hmm. like, traditional costuming because we have, I mean, you know, we've gotten read by Carolina uh, <laughs> for yeah. doing, for putting on a traditional costume and not doing a traditional set. We have been read for that. Oh, yeah. Like that one Rakasa where we were all in headdresses and she looked at me and was like, why are you wearing a short sleeve chole? Yeah. Like, that's how particular. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. So we are, like, for us, when we see, when someone comes on stage, like you said, when someone comes out on stage, in in their interpretation of what classic, like, a classic traditional mm-hmm. ATS costume looks like, we have very specific expectations for what's going to happen in that scene. Right. And not everybody has that. And not everybody has that. And so, to a certain degree, you know, like, I think that that performance really challenged what our expectations are. Mm -hmm. And we've had really interesting conversations about it since then, you know, and it's not to say that like our point of view on what is supposed to happen in like a classic set is the be all and end all, you know, like that. Of course not. I would never represent that. Like we are the, you know, the buck stops here. No, of course not. What is supposed to happen in the set. It's really just in terms of like what we find enjoyable Mm -hmm. or what we find successful in performance. Right. 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 And I have such a heavy arts background. Um, I have my BFA and my <laughs> MFA in fine art. Um, 
So sometimes I look at dance through the same a similar lens. Like I fully you would you learn art like painting by copying the masters. Right. And and then you start to learn concepts from that and then you start to develop your own voice. Right. What you don't do is take the old and necessarily just try to put something modern on top of it. Yeah. So that's that's another part of my history. Yeah. Is influencing my view on, on dance as well. Yeah. And I mean, these are considerations that are always in play for us when we put sets together. Yes. You know, like we've talked before about the various things that we take into consideration, you know, when we're putting a set together for a festival, like if it's mostly cabaret dancers or fusion dancers, we might try to do a more traditional set because we're the only ATS group there and we want to represent what we do. Right. So, you know. And we also talk about, I don't know, have we talked, I have a fucking terrible memory. (laughs) But have we also talked about um, how the costume influences the music and vice versa? I don't think we've talked about that so much. And you you touched on it a little bit in this conversation, but I think it is a really important consideration. Yeah. You know, there are certain things that we won't wear with, depending on right. the music that we want to dance to. Like, we're not going to wear Banjara with like Banjara skirt, Banjara top, and do like a completely modern set. That right. that makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I think it, it like it, I would never put on a Banjara top, a Banjara skirt, and dance to heavily Western music. Yeah. Um, or it, heavily like I don't know other cultural influences. I would keep it very like traditional ATS. Yeah. At that point, because I think it confuses the audience. Right. I, it's really confusing. Um, again, it doesn't gel for me. Yeah. And I, I, that's also how I feel. Right. And, um, with, if I'm going to go for a modern set, I'm going to go all out modern. Yeah. Like what is a modern costume though? Look at the history of ATS. Like you didn't really see the sparkly hip scarves until recently, like the disco shawls. Yeah. Um, like short sleeve chili, really sleek hair garden, like Stuff like that, I think, is the more modern stuff that I would pair with, like, Solace or Ujami. Yeah. Or... I don't know. I don't know. It's some something that I'm really aware of, but I'm also a very visual person. Right. Well, and what we do is a visual, visual art. Yeah. So, you know, again, there's no wrong or right way to do what we do. Yeah. This is just our particular perspective on it. Um, and, you know... Your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. You may have a totally different opinion, and that is totally fine. And we're not trying to cast judgment on anyone. This is just... No, and I, I, I'm actually very interested to hear other people's takes on it, too. Yeah. So if... And when we post this episode and you have a different perspective um, on, on it, I'm really interested in reading it or mm-hmm. hearing about it. Like... And like I said, like you said, n- nobody's wrong. Yeah. Everyone just has a different point of view. Yeah. And, you know, I don't expect everyone to like everything we do. I also don't expect <laughs> everybody to be a carbon copy of each other yeah, either. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, you know, if that was their interpretation of doing, I don't know, like a new modern set, like mm-hmm. that's, that's a different perspective, one that I haven't necessarily seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an interesting one. It just, for me, just wasn't as successful. So. Yeah. 
Which is fine. That's fine. (laughs) I think, though, everyone should challenge themselves to do a traditional, like, super traditional classic set. And we're talking, if you're familiar with the DVDs, volume one and volume four, maybe. Maybe. Um, And watch uh, the director's cut DVD. Mm Mm-hmm like the 25 year and and look at what Carolina and the troop was doing you know back in the late 90s or early 2000s where it the movements were I don't want to say simple because not, there's nothing about what we do that is simple right but it was it was much less um frenetic I don't know how to put it. Yeah, I know I know what you're trying to say and simple like simple feels like a derogatory term yeah. almost but that's not I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. It's, the lines are different. Totally. Totally. The aesthetic is slightly different. Like, no tucks on the skirt. Yeah. Headdress. Mm-hmm. Heavily, you know, decorated coin bra. Right. Long sleeve choli. Tassels and fringe. The movements, you know, there was no volume seven. There was no volume nine. Like. Yeah. Like. And the music, specifically right. the music and the feel that they were achieving at that point in our history is so different to what it is now. Right. And can it be replicated? I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> but I think it's an important it's important for dancers to know the trajectory yeah. of of the dance form and you know, like know your history, basically. Totally. Um And the challenge isn't just, you know, the challenge is multifaceted, right? Like you said, the music is really important. The costuming is really important. And the movements are really important, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I think that, I think that everyone can put together a classic costume. Oh, yeah. Right? There's, there's, Carolina has a headdress tutorial. On Um, YouTube and uh, Patreon. Yeah. You know, that's possible, but like to achieve sort of that like the essence of it Ugh. is really about like it's selectively using the movements too. Yeah. It's not about putting the entire gamut of the ATS right, vocabulary right, right, and that's right. it. Yeah. Anyway, not to beat a dead horse. No, no. <laughs> but do you remember uh, years ago when Carolina did that Bambi Saidi workshop? Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it was at the old studio and it was a, it wasn't uh it was a set that they had done at one of the auditions da- auditions yeah. for Ethnic Dance Festival and the movements that was selected for the piece were they weren't complex. I think it was literally like level 1. Yeah, level 1. What movements. we consider level 1 movements. And but it was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. so hard. Like go, maybe there was a gawazi thrown in there too. Yeah, I think but so. It was like I'll Egyptian, yeah. like hip hop. But like hitting that really traditional music is. Yeah. Yes, maybe the challenge should be to Bambi Saidi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bambi Saidi is from Lacho Drum. Yeah. A very challenging piece of folkloric music. Yeah. It's incredibly hard to dance to. Well, and that's why you choose level one movements to it mm-hmm. because it's like it's not a time signature that is that as Westerners we're accustomed to dance to and hearing. Like, yeah, but that's why the level one movements four are four counts max. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
there's no like 16 count combos or you know, anything like that which is brilliant because you can fit any of the level one movements into whatever times time signature is in there mm-hmm. so anyway we veered off course yeah. a little bit <laughs> reining it back in other highlights from the participant showcase um kairos kairos yeah which is a local local to phoenix, phoenix. or phoenix yeah. area um couple former members of kamala yep our dance crushes <laughs> um they did a really wonderful set i feel like it was one of the more like straightforward very ATS. ATS sets, which is nice. Yeah. And it's funny that that would be like a standout in an ATS show. But again, it just goes to show you like the amount of variety yeah. that was really brought yeah. to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that I always am impressed by with Kairos is, and this goes also back to Kamala, um, is they're one of the few groups that does dueling duets. Mm, fast. Fast dueling duets and does it really well. Yeah. So I always really appreciate seeing that from them. They're they're very beautiful dancers. Yeah. Their costuming was really awesome. Their costuming was awesome. They yeah, we love you guys. No uh, change. <laughs> <laughs> and then um Kamuda was also another yeah, Raven. notable Ravens group out of Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. They did a really um theatrical yeah. piece. They, I think they originally did it for a, um, a fundraiser for like a women's shelter. I don't oh, remember exactly. Uh, and I meant to message Raven and ask her about it. So Raven, if you're listening, maybe post about what it was, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll message you and I'll link to it. Anyway, um, they had these beautiful sparkly scarves um, over their heads. The sparkly snood. Oh my god. <laughs> And they, it was a, there was ATS the like movements in there. It was still very much in the ATS world, but it was they introduced a lot of theatrical stuff, elements, yeah. elements to it, which we generally don't see. And I think we've said this before. And as ATS dancers, the whole theatrical, the whole like showing different emotion, and it, and showing different narratives is very difficult. For yeah. us. So kudos, yeah, to Raven and her troop because that was a very hard hitting piece. I thought, yeah, it was really I good so too. It Beautiful. definitely stood out in my mind. Yeah. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so that was Saturday night. That yeah, that was Saturday night. Sunday um, we had our photo shoots, and then and then we went home and were sad. Yeah. <laughs> Then we went to the back to the real world, which overrated. Yeah. Well, part of part of going back to the real world oh. was uh, getting feedback on our Bat Chance performance, which has been really interesting. Well, let's start out by saying that that performance was like coming from our perspective. Like, performing it, being on that stage, and coming off stage was such a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And it was such a whirlwind of emotions. Yeah. Like, leading up to it, we were really nervous. And then getting off that stage was just like, ugh. 
I don't, I don't even know how to put it into words. Yeah. It was really emotional for us. It was really emotional for us. Uh, we really, we really did leave everything on the stage. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. And a lot of times, and this goes for every single performance that anybody has ever done ever, that doesn't translate on video. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? I think that's totally fair. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that you just don't get to experience unless you're in the room. Right. But the journey leading up to that and then performance, performing it, and then hearing the feedback afterwards is a really interesting process. Yeah. So the feedback, the interesting feedback that we've been receiving is sort of, uh, well, one, I think there are some people who think we choreographed the whole thing, mm. which is not true and which we'll get into as yeah. we talk about sort of the process for how this performance came about. Um, so people who think that the entire thing was choreographed and also sort of, uh, not that people were upset, but like people's not liking it because they thought it had too much choreography. It's an interesting take. Which is an interesting take. And just, I crunched some numbers. I just want, <laughs> I just want to put this on the record for people. So one, no, the entire set was not choreographed. Right. <laughs> Two, more than 50% of it was just, it was pure, pure improv. improv. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the numbers on those. Right. Um, so again, you know, like, I don't expect everyone to like, to like what we do, we do all the time. No, but just to dispel the rumor that we choreograph everything. Yeah. No. And I think to the extent that people didn't like it because there was choreography involved, I think um, if there's, I, I feel like maybe they didn't really understand what we were trying to achieve with the piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously an, an artist's intent can never be fully known by spectators or observers. No, and that's why you have sort of the artist statement that generally goes along with the artist's pieces of work. Again, here's my fine arts background losing <laughs> out of me. Look at you using your degree. I know, that hasn't happened in years. <laughs> No, but there's like usually it's not so much of a defense as, as to what they do. It's um it's an explanation of what their thought process was. Right. And if you're ever in a gallery, read those little descriptions next to the paintings if you don't understand them because generally they'll have like a little some know, context. Exactly. Yeah. So I think maybe that there's like a piece there is like a contextual piece that maybe people aren't aren't seeing. don't necessarily have. Right. And you know, and like you said, it's not that we feel the need to defend ourselves because I thought that piece was bomb. I was really happy with how yeah. it went. It Very didn't happy. go exactly as planned. Nothing ever Nothing does. Nothing ever does. And, you know, we're not perfect. It wasn't a perfect performance. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but we achieved what we set out to achieve with it. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think that it would, I, I think people would maybe find it interesting to sort of hear what the process was for putting yeah. this set together. Yeah. Um, and so 
I'll let Jesse talk about that a little bit because she was the point person. So the Throw way me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so the way, well, okay, I'll start off by saying, okay, the way that we put sets together generally for Fat Chance is we have a point person who is in charge of the overall vision. The overall vision. They select the music. You know, they can solicit. Um, feedback feedback from the group if they can't, you know, sometimes you can't, sometimes you hate all your music and you don't want to dance to any of it. (laughs) Or sometimes you're like, is this a really fucking crazy idea? Right. And you guys talk me off a ledge. Yeah. Or, you know, like I'm kind of leaning between like a more modern set or a more classic set. What do you guys think? Right. But the point person takes the lead on a set and, um, you know, for a big stage show like Reunion, which as we've talked about previously, Mm -hmm is a very unique performance situation compared to what we do otherwise. Right. Jesse was our point person. I was. And I had mentioned, I mentioned, I've, I've said oh, before yeah. that I will oftentimes just like text Jesse random things, random ideas that I have. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, you crazy. <laughs> and I had, I, a lot, you know, ages ago, just out of the blue had said, I really want to dance to Ro, like, the entirety of Ro Albi. And Ro Albi, for people who don't know, is a song by Hosam Ramsey. It is 7 minutes and 18 seconds long, but Fat Chance edited it down to the final, like, like two, two, and a half, two and a half minutes, mm-hmm. roughly. And it's that song... Um, the Roa Albi edit has been used in the Fat Chance repertoire for years and years and years and years. Longer than I've been a dancer. Yes. For sure. Because they were a part of a show called The Nutcracker Sweetie. And that was one of the pieces that they used for that show. And ever since then, I mean, Wendy could probably tell us more about this. When yeah. we finally get her ass on the show. <laughs> when our schedules finally coordinate. But anyway, um... That final two and a half minutes has been such a rich part of ATS history as as a song that is canon. Like, yeah. everybody should know Roa Albi. Like, everybody should know Derwood Green. Right. You know, it's just one of those songs that everybody dances to. Um, and so when you mentioned it would be fun to do all seven minutes of it, it stuck in my brain for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And... So when it came time to start planning for reunion, I had been in a place where I had been watching a lot of the older Fat Chance videos, like um, San Francisco Ballady and um, their older uh, Tribal Fest performances. And the thing that I noted about these bigger stage productions, where they were in front of audiences like fellow dancers and, you know, um, really discerning arts audiences that there were bits of choreography in it, but it wasn't all choreography. Right. And then I listened to Royal Alby and there are some really tricky spots in there. Like real, there is no way you can improv those spots. Well, I mean, no, no, no. I, I totally agree with you. You could improv it, but you're not going to be able to like, convey the nuances of those parts without choreography. Right. That's, I mean... Well, here's... Yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. 
your choice is to either choreograph it like a solid way or have a plan going in. Yeah. Either way, that's choreography Mm -hmm. in my brain. The worst thing I think you could do is just dance over it. Yes. And let's, (laughs) let's make one thing clear. Choreography is not a four letter word. Like it, it, yes, we are improv dancers. Yes, when we do develop choreography, it is based heavily on our improv. Because what we do, it's based on our vocabulary of movements. But I think it's a really big misconception in our community that we never, ever choreograph things. And we should never, ever choreograph things. Yeah, I mean, it just isn't true, for it's one. Not, it's not true, number <laughs> one. If you look at the long, rich history of Fat Chance, they always used choreography in some way, shape, or form for some performances. And we're carrying that tradition on now. Yeah. We don't choreograph everything. No. I think choreography is most successfully used sparingly and very judiciously. And also to achieve something that you could not otherwise do uh, with improv. So choreography should never be... It should never be uh, something that you rely on on a regular basis. It shouldn't be a crutch. It's not a crutch. Um, You know, our fallback is always... Improv. Improv. And the way that we choreograph still has improv elements in it. Right. You know, like, yeah, we're setting we're setting movements to the music, but we're also still watching each other right. when we're executing those choreographies because, I don't know, someone might completely forget, have a brain for, fart. Yeah, forget the choreography, which has happened. Which has happened. And that's when you fall back on your improv skills. Right. Yeah. So, and I remember before we went on, like, Anita going, all right, well... And I, I came out leading, and she goes, if Jesse forgets, we just follow her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, because, you know, we were we rehearsed, and sometimes during rehearsal... It worked. It worked, and, and it sometimes didn't. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. yeah. That's just how the cookie crumbles. And so. we just, ha- we, you know, it was very important to us as a group to be prepared for the possibility that, that the choreography wouldn't out. happen the yeah. way that we wanted it to. Which is fine. Yeah. So... <laughs> Rural Albi has those little spots in it where there's these, like, little phrases that, like you were saying, would be... It wouldn't do the song a favor of dancing over them. Yeah. So I had the idea. (laughs) And I definitely walked in there and I was like, guys, you gotta tell me if this is stupid. (laughs) And I put the song on and it had the the little... uh, these, I don't want to say call and response because it's not call and response. It's like these little eight count sections yeah, or something. With like the was, zills and the drums were doing like, different things. Like they were riffing different patterns and it was really groovy. And I was like idea. Solo, 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 duet, duet for the first one. Second one I hadn't really thought about yet. Yeah. But I thought that would tell the story of the music to the audience in a way that we generally don't do in ATS, and I thought it would ham it up a little bit. <laughs> and it totally did. And, and, and to my surprise, you guys were all about it. And I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. Well, I totally, I mean, like, I got what you were trying to give, you know? Like, it made sense to me because, like, like, like you said, this is a really challenging piece of music. 
And our primary responsibility as dancers is yeah. to embody the music. It is our job to yeah. convey what's happening in the music to the audience. So it made perfect sense to me that, like, yeah, we would do, like, little solos here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yours was, like, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you and Anita were, like, camming it up. I, I died when I watched the video back because you and your little head slides. And Anita with her like little cupie doll eyelashes, like it was the cutest thing ever. And so that that little like these little solos or riff parts happened twice in the music. So we we did the solo little section, which was really fun. And the second time that happened, we were in the, the dueling duet formation, and I remember not I was not at rehearsal. (laughs) <laughs> um, when you guys came up with the so just so you're all aware I went in with the music Ra Albi I discussed with the rest of the troupe my vision for the song they got it so when they, I, I had to go to f- see my family in Florida you guys had a rehearsal and you nailed the second part of it which was the Sara turn um, which was a lot I don't want to say simpler, <laughs> but I was like, this person, this person, this person, this person, you know, like I still had the solo idea in my head, but you guys reined it in to the, the, just the, each person does a Sara turn in succession and then things happen together. I thought that was brilliant and I was super excited when I got back to see what you guys had created together because it really screamed of like, okay, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Cohesion. Mm-hmm. And then... That was it. I think that was aside from the the um, when we went in the line and came out in the diagonal and did the the orbits. Mm-hmm. That was and the dosi dos. That was all the choreography that was in it. Right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the passing in dueling duets was like. Oh we yeah, had that set was that. Like, um, but again, that was still like we had to watch each other to make sure that it yeah. was synchronized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the costume was definitely a consideration there, like the floral skirts, the tassels, the, you know, it was sort of like an updated classic. Yeah. Mhm. To me, with the Jaipur underneath. I don't know. I was thinking. I was trying to think of a modern homage to classic ATS. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we all understood that vision, I think. And I felt like we executed it. I feel like we, that's, that's what we set out to present and that's what we did. And it was funny hearing uh, feedback immediately after the performance, because there had, there were some dancers who came, approached us who have been in the community for a really long time that totally got it too. Yeah. Like, Yeah. I was like, yes, you got it. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and part, you know, part of dancing to all of Roalby was like, we were, if it was like a little bit of an Easter egg. Yeah. You know, we felt like because we knew that people weren't going to recognize the song until, until the, the last, last two minutes. And, yeah. and then they were going to be like, oh my God, they just danced to all of Roalby. Yeah. Like, and that was a whole suite. Yeah. And that was a whole suite. So those were, I mean, that was the thinking behind, that was like the process for putting it together. Um, 
you know, we had these little bits of choreo that we wanted to do, but at the end of the day, it was like, we didn't want the entire thing to be choreography because that's okay. not what we do. Interesting. The little solo bits in the beginning weren't necessarily choreo because I didn't know what you were going to do during your solo. That's true. I didn't know what Anita or Michio were going to do. I knew what I was going to do. And then little duet sections knew what they were going to do. But in between that, that was you guys riffing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, boom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, it was really, it was a really challenging piece for us to put together. Yes. And, you know, there's all of these aesthetic considerations that mm-hmm. go into putting a set together. But we also, at the end of the day, are like, what's interesting to us, you know, as artists? Like, what, how do we want to challenge ourselves when we put this set together? Yeah. Yeah. So for us, it was a really difficult piece to put together. Right. It was really challenging for us. It really sort of stretched our imagination. We had, what, three rehearsals together? Three one hour? I think so. So that was another part of the challenge was, uh, well, there were technically four one hour rehearsals, but I was gone for one of them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you also never, you know, as improv dancers you also don't want to over rehearse things. Right. You know, everyone's fallen into that rut, especially I think when you're a newer dancer mm-hmm. is you like rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Yeah. And it becomes choreography almost yeah. because I've definitely fallen into that. You, yeah. You get so used to doing the same thing in the same place. The Chico's going to be here or yeah. this is going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And as somebody who's been dancing to Royal Albee since the, for forever, um, dancing with it, to uh, dancing to the the last two minutes with Anita, who I've never danced to that song. It was a wild ride, and yeah. it was so much fun. Like she pulled out stuff that I generally wouldn't pull out there. Yeah. So like when the her over shimmy, I was like, Whoa. <laughs> at the time I was like, am I doing it? Am I doing a reverse shimmy or an over shimmy? I think I actually laughed during that set. <laughs> I mean, there was a point where I thought Anita was going into something different and she wound up going into the Sananda and there's a, po- there's a point in the video where if you look at my face, I'm cracking up. <laughs> and I got it together by the time I had flipped to face the audience. But Yeah. But yeah, you know, like that's... So for us... Okay, well, for me anyway, I won't speak on your behalf. For me, the sort of sweet spot for a, a big stage show like that is... Uh, a mixture of choreography, staging, and improv. And we've talked about that before. We've talked about that before. And that's sort of, that's the sweet spot for me because then it's this interesting challenge of like how to meld those things. Marry them together. Marry them together. Right. And the process is really about like getting from point A to point B with these various Mm -hmm. things in the middle. So... Those are the reasons why we felt like it was a a successful set. But obviously we have no control of how other people feel about it. (laughs) No, you cannot control others, only our reaction to them. Yeah. And I don't think that was a defense. No. I think it's it's interesting to to, um, discuss process Mm -hmm. and hear about other people's process. So... Yeah. If you have a different process on how your troop approaches things, like we have our points person who presents a vision, I mean, how do you, how do you right. do it in your troop? Right. Yeah. 
I think it's interest interesting to hear all all sorts of perspectives. But yeah, I was living. I was living for that set because, like I said, I've always wanted to dance to all of Ro Albi, especially because it's got that intro, and I've always <laughs> wanted to do. <laughs> I'm just so jealous of cabaret dancers. Like, I love how a cabaret dancer will just make the audience sit there for, like, 30 a full, seconds. Like, no, a full like minute. A full minute. Yeah. Just sitting there, like, wait. Like, this is so good that I'm going to make you wait for it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I was like, when you were like, let's dance to Oliver O'Albee and we're not going to come out until the little intro part, I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. And and it's fun because Sarah Shrapnel was there. She was like one of the only, only cab, cab dancers. dancers. Yeah. Because she was there um, selling her book, Becoming a Belly Dancer, um, which Michio and I are in. Just saying. <laughs> um, so pick up a copy. We'll put a link in the, in yeah. the notes. <laughs> anyway, it's a... Anyway, she was like, I loved how you guys did that, because no, tribal dancers never do that. And yeah. I was like, and Sophia was just like, yeah, we did that because of... Yeah. She was so excited. I was so, so excited, because I love... Like, the reason it was Ro Albi in particular, not just because it was challenging, but also because, you know, watching cab dancers, they will take you on a fucking journey, yep. right? They'll make you sit there for a minute before they come out. And then they'll do like a 10 minute suite where they run through the entire gamut of emotions. Yeah. Right. My favorite is when they first come out and they like run a lap. Yeah. Around the stage, <laughs> like with a veil or whatever prop or not even with it. They're just like showcasing off their costuming and yeah, like they're, you know, how they're feeling the oats. Exactly. Moment. I'm like, we never do that. Yeah. Yeah, so there was, like, an element of stagecraft that I think yeah. we were really interested in exploring in that piece. And then the other thing about that piece, and I I think part of the reason also that Jesse picked this song was because I had never really learned Ro Albi. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I'm going to have to learn it. And I was like, and Sophia's going to end it. <laughs> and Which was terrifying. <laughs> Well, the end of that song is really difficult to pick up unless you really know it. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, is it going to end? No, no, no. Is it going to end now? Yeah. Yeah. There's that like extra little roll that happens in the drums. Exactly. And that's sort of like your cue, quote unquote cue. Cue, yeah. Because it's really difficult to pick up. Um, if, if the music is particularly soft on stage, like it's almost impossible to hear. Yeah. So you gotta know it. Exactly. And I had no excuse for not knowing it. I just didn't. You know, and it's funny because this is like a way tangent, but uh, in the wild card, (laughs) the wild card uh, uh, lecture that they did, one of the things that they talk about in terms of like being a responsible troop member is that like each troop member is responsible for knowing the music, right? So it's not, it can't be like, oh, we'll just have Michio end it because she she knows knows the music, right? Like everybody has to be responsible for knowing the music. So I definitely had been a little bit derelict in my duties in terms of like knowing, knowing Ro Albi as well as I should, but I know it now. Yes. (laughs) There'll be a quiz later. Yes. (laughs) It's like, you know, Derwood Green, yeah. And Ro, like you said, and Ro Albi are like really good litmus tests for. Yes. 
those are the songs that I really feel are ATS canon, and you should just know them. Mm-hmm. Like, some days are bad Durwood days. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. Some days are great Durwood days. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, same thing with Roalby. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes the same for almost all of Tribal Dance, Tribal Drums, and It Mean. Mm-hmm. Like, you should know those albums. Yeah. Anyway. I have a lot of opinions. We both do. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> Any last thoughts on reunion before we book, before we close that? We do have a little interview with Jordan uh, Colding about her awesome um, drum workshop Ramsey that she did with Eric then. Lannis, Dancing to Live Music. So we have a little interview with her that will someday soon, hopefully I'll get my shit together and put that out. But then after that, we're going to kind of put reunion behind us. Yes. Move on with our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I don't have any um, last thoughts about reunion. I had a really good time. Um, Forming the set was a a great challenge. And I just want to thank you and Anita and Michio for having faith in the vision and helping me execute it. I thought it was really successful. And yeah, I want to do it again. And um, thank you to everyone who came up to us to say that they listened to the podcast. That was super fun and enjoyable. I loved that. I know. Like, it warmed my cold, cold heart. (laughs) I know, and I wish I had. My heart grew two sizes that day. (laughs) I wish that I had had more time to, like, chat with people. Like, the schedule was so grueling that I felt like I really didn't have any time to to socialize, which is funny. Yeah. But, um just gonna put a cap put a cap on reunion yes and what's next for us well we got Rikasa coming up Rikasa's coming up in April April 14th 13th 13th I think I don't know that weekend (laughs) and if you're in the Los Angeles area we have Cairo Shimmy Quake coming up June first weekend of June we're doing an intensive and two workshops. Yeah. Fat so. Chance Intensive. 12 hours. Yes. If you're an SSE person, you could get those nine hours out of the way in yep. one fell swoop. It's going to be awesome. And then Jesse and I are going to be at Hot Rocks. Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks, which is end of June. End of June, beginning of July, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. End of June. And that's in Fresno? Fresno. Clovis, which Clovis. is like close. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, so we'll be doing a Tessera dialect workshop there, which we're really excited about. Yeah. So you can kind of peer into our crazy brains. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Carolina's doing a Picky Technique workshop March 23rd. Yep, there's still space available There's for still that. space available, so sign up for that. We'll include the link in, um, in the show notes. Yeah. That's about it. You've been listening to The Q, an ATS podcast with Sophia Salazar-Rubio and Jesse Stanbridge. The music in this episode is Degrowth Part 1 by Tazara, available from the Free Music Archive. Do you have questions, comments, or suggestions? Shoot us an email at what's the Q at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Revolution, very far to the left.
a gigantic rat. Where? There's a huge rat out there. It's like it's I thought that was a bird. No, it's a rat. Oh no, I see it. You now. see it? It's yeah. huge. Oh my god. Are you sure it's not like a little possum? Mm, it oh could no, be. they're nocturnal. No, that's a rat. It's a giant fucking rat eating the bird seed. Well rats aren't terrible. As long as it's not inside. I guess so. Oh my god. It's huge. Yeah. That's a fucking city rat.